Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 64 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I'm really excited today to be joined by Stefano Terry, creator of the comic book series The Gamma Gals. How you doing, Stefano? Hello. Hi. How are you? Great. Great. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. This is great. Uh, before we get too deep in our conversation, I want my listeners to get a chance to know a little bit about you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, let's see. What is it about me? I'm born in Los Angeles, uh, raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I have that Midwest kind of uh, upbringing. Um, I've been drawing since I was uh, you know, a little kid. I'm a huge gamer. Um, love my video games, PlayStation and Nintendo and Xbox and all that stuff and mm-hmm. comic books and cartoons. Uh, lately I've been watching a lot of, uh, 80s cartoons like Thundercats and Jim and stuff and it's been pretty, uh, pretty great, me and my wife. Nice. Um, but yeah, I've lived in Spain for about 17 years and it's been pretty cool. That's awesome. Where, where are you watching all these 80 car- 80s cartoons? Hulu or? Um, we're watching them on like Hulu, uh, what else do they got? Uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, they have a lot of uh, cool stuff on that. They have like Batman, the animated series, and Thundercats, and all that kind of stuff on Amazon Prime. And then we uh, watch Netflix whenever they have some of the cartoons. These services keep switching around the uh, the roster of what they have, so we're always hunting around trying to find what they what they put up. With. Absolutely. And we just finished we just finished the uh, the Netflix Voltron series. You know, the new one that just came out like a year ago. We finished season two of that, and that show was great. Like as someone who grew up watching Voltron in the eighties, I'm very very impressed at what they've done with this new series it's just really really cool that's neat i'm gonna I, it's one that i've been meaning to check out but i haven't uh haven't had a chance to does do the the ca- cartoons that you've been watching do they hold up to uh you know 30 years later <laughs> some do and some don't uh like batman the animated series is like a classic so that one that one's just good like that's one of the best cartoons ever made so that one holds up for sure stuff like thundercats um, it's still pretty fun, but it is kind of absurd. I'm just like, uh-huh. wow, I read this when I was, you know, eight years old watching, watching TV, coming home from school, watching Thundercats, but most of them are pretty good. Jim's a lot of fun, all that stuff, but we watched a few new ones that we had never heard of. There's like the Swiss Family Robinson one that's pretty awful, but we're still watching it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's some- I don't know if you ever get to, um, San Diego Comic-Con, but they have, and, and they, I think there's a, a, a place that does it like monthly. 
also out in the L.A. area, but they do uh, Worst Cartoons Ever. Oh, wow, yeah, nice. And they're, and they're <laughs> from, like, yeah, they're, like, from, like, the the 40s and 50s. Like, a lot of them are black oh. and white, and they're just yeah. awful. <laughs> they're just, just awful. Yeah, they're some really bad. We um, have this uh, DVD set of, um, what is it, a Warner Brothers collection of the old Looney Tunes cartoons, and some of the bonus cartoons they have are, like, super old from, like, the 40s and 50s, and some of them are just, like, wow, they're... Uh, there's something special. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can put it. That's the nicest way I can put it. It's special. Well, you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned uh, cartoons and you've mentioned comic books and some gaming. What what are your more specific areas of geekitude? What what are the things you love, kind of on a regular, ongoing basis? Oh man, what do I love on a regular, ongoing basis? I have been. Um, me and my wife, at least, have been really addicted to watching Let's Plays on uh, on uh, YouTube, like various uh, gameplay playthroughs of video games and whatnot. And, um, we've been watching uh, a lot of Minecraft stuff, uh, uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne on PS4 and PC and that sort of stuff. And um, what else? What else am I? I'm going to be geeky about pretty much a lot of stuff. Um, Mainly, uh, I like building computers is my other kind of thing. I like building my uh, my gaming PCs and things like that. And um, what else? She's uh, I can't really think of anything. I hate uh, it's so hard for me to like verbalize, you know, talking about myself. But what what games I think are you that's playing? About it, really. you know? Like, because you said you have a gaming right rig. I am playing um, Gravity Rush Two on PS4. And what else am I playing? I do a lot of streaming. It was Gravity Rush, and what was the other one that I was doing? Um, I finished my Dark Souls 3 playthrough, and, um, I just streamed those on YouTube, like, me and my wife will be doing that kind of stuff, like, chatting while I'm playing video games, but I started the Telltale, um, uh, games, uh, Batman series, that, uh, I think just wrapped up, like, a few months ago, the last episode, it's like an episodic video game, you know, so they right, release, right. like, so every few months, and, um, I just started that one, the Batman one, and that one's pretty cool, but right now I'm really streaming Gravity Rush 2, and that game is very, very cool. Uh, what what type it's of game is fun. that one? Because that one I'm not familiar with. It's a uh, like a third person um, action game where you play as this uh, gravity shifter named Cat, and she can uh, manipulate gravity and fly through the air and you know do all sorts sorts of cool combat. It's kind of an open world. Uh, it's an open world type game, and she's been uh, this is a sequel, so she's been sucked into some time portal or whatever happened. And she's in this new location that she's trying to figure out. Um, what happened and where she's at and to get back home, but it's a very, very charming game. It has a, um, it always, it reminds me a lot of like a Studio Ghibli, like, uh, sort of their animation, uh, cartoons and stuff. It's just very, very, uh, charming and she's a great, you know, kind of lead character and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's just fun just kind of flying around and falling through the sky and whatnot. It's just very, very, very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have any areas where you don't feel like your geekitude is very high? Uh, areas that most geeks uh, kind of cling to, but you're not, you don't participate as often. I, I actually was just thinking about that the other day, and it was um, oh crap, what was it? I want to say, it was uh, sci-fi television. It was it was uh, for me to be such a trekkie, I'm pretty much not as well versed in uh the Star Trek lore as I as I should be, uh, I think, but um. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Like there, there's just a lot of stuff where I could uh, and beef up my 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 geekiness. But um, I think definitely uh, my sci-fi lore, my fantasy lore. I'm terrible at like fantasy books. I love fantasy books, 
but I have hardly read any of them. So I had some friends giving me all these recommendations. So I've been reading um, uh, Blood Song and uh, The Way of Kings and stuff like that. And those books are very, very cool. But I'm still pretty, uh, pretty new and uh, buffing up my sci-fi and fantasy geek cred and stuff. Yeah, the literature is very hard. I mean, I'm an English teacher by trade, and when you read a lot of, oh, nice. um, yeah, when you read a lot of essays <laughs> from students and everything, yeah. the last thing you want to do is read other uh, stuff. And as as much as I, I I miss reading, I I think it's gonna have to be, you know, I I tend to do it when I'm on vacation, when I don't when I don't have other yeah. things to read, but that consequently I I am not well versed in in a lot of fantasy literature, a lot of sci-fi literature, and. And I, I don't visit the Sci-Fi Network as as often as some, so I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah. One of my coworkers, he was always like, I think like every week he would have like a new book uh, that he was reading, like fantasy books and sci-fi books. So I always got my um uh, recommendations from him. But yeah, it was like nuts. It's like he'd have these thick, huge books, you know, like 600, 700 trade books, and he'd be done like in a few days. And it's like he'd come into work the next day. It's like, oh, I'm reading this one now. I'm like, what's that one? I have like a list of all these books that uh he's recommended to me. And I'm like, I don't just don't have the time to, to do it. I would love to, to read more, but I've been so busy working on the comic and um, catching up on my gaming and spending time with my wife. I haven't really read that much, uh, uh gotten around to reading that much lately. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, now in all of this, uh, do you have a favorite fandom? Do you have like, are you a a? You mentioned mm. Trekkie, but um, that you might need to brush up on that. Do you have a fandom that you absolutely cling to as yours? I think probably one of the man. There's quite a few. Like I am super obsessed with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Harry Potter. Um, big Doctor Who fan. Um, and uh, video games. I'm big into the Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Um, video game series because I just find them really, really fascinating. They have so much like um, uh, visual storytelling as well as um, you getting to like kind of just infer uh, the story and the world building from like just little items that you pick up throughout the game and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm really a fan of like games that let you kind of piece the world together um, outside of just like constantly telling you this is what you know the world is and this is what it's about. You just can kind of pick it and. And pick it apart from what you're seeing as you're playing the game and stuff. So yeah, Harry Potter, Star Wars, um, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, those kind of things are probably the biggest areas that I'm really, really like obsessed with lately, at least. Nice. Or have you been sought, uh, sorted by Pottermore yet? No. Well, I got did take the um, I took the uh, uh, Patronus test, and I what is my Patronus? It is a I want to say gray squirrel. And I am a Hufflepuff. Apparently, all I, the other I am, fe- I am a fellow Hufflepuff, so that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, oh, nice, excellent. <laughs> yeah, all the other tests I take, I would be in all these other houses. Uh, never, never Slytherin, but I was always a uh, like either a Gryffindor or something like that. But yeah, I'm a Hufflepuff, so I'm a proud Hufflepuff now. Yeah, I think with my I gray think, squirrel Patronus. I think a lot of us. Uh, you know, there's that initial, oh, I was going to be Gryffindor. But then there's, yeah. there's that, that <laughs> beca- I guess because we're Hufflepuffs, after a while, like, it doesn't take long for us to go, no, no, that works, and I think I'm I'm going to embrace my Hufflepuffness. Yeah, exactly, totally. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine with this, I'm fine with this. I think my wife got, like, Ravenclaw, which she was so happy about. She's not even a Harry Potter fan, but she's like, yes, Ravenclaw, because I love the Ravenclaws. Like, uh, Luna Lovegood's probably my favorite character in the in the series. Yeah, and, she's pretty amazing. Um, she got like a cat, a blue uh, cat Patronus, and she's a huge cat lover too. So she's just on cloud nine, and I'm like, man, I'm a Hufflepuff and got a gray squirrel. I thought it was supposed <laughs> to be a dragon. 
Yeah, I was supposed to be the king of Gryffindor with a dragon <laughs> perched on my shoulder. Uh, the, the, the trials of the trials of Harry Potter geeks. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, is there anything out there that you absolutely love that you feel not a lot of people know about, but whenever uh, you you get a chance to geek out with somebody, it's like one of your top recommendations. Oh man, I do, and I gotta think about it really quickly. Um, there is, uh, aside from Gravity Rush, which is a really cool, uh, video game series, like that's probably one of the things that I, I pimp a lot, but there's a, um, um, crap, what was it? I swear it was some TV show cartoon that me and my wife were looking at, but now I think everybody talks about it. Um, I can't remember. It was Rick and Morty for a while. Um, mm-hmm. we stumbled across Rick and Morty, uh, randomly, like a few years back or two years back in season one on Hulu, and we're like, oh, this show's great, blah, blah, blah. And we didn't really talk too much about it. And then, next thing you know, I'm like looking on Facebook, and everybody's like, oh, Rick and Morty this and Rick and Morty that. I'm like, oh, that's the show me and you were watching, and now everybody loves it. Um, what, what was, man, I was just talking to her about it. It was, besides Gravity Rush, there was this a show that we were watching, and now I can't think what it's called. It's, um, it's on Netflix, I believe. It's a um, it's a zombie show, and crap, I cannot remember what it's is called. It, I feel so bad the, now because um, the glitch. It's a BBC show, and it's about this uh, woman who kind of um, becomes like a demon hunter sort of thing. It's like sh- it's short. It's like maybe six episodes or something yes, like that. Yes, I know what you're and, talking about, and somebody yeah, just recommended think, it to us. I can't think of the name, but that's a lot of fun. We finished it. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna see right now. Is it Crazy Head? Uh, crazy Head. That's that's the one. Oh my god, that was driving me crazy. Yes, that's the name of the show. <laughs> awesome, Crazy Head. Well, I'll have to try that. that. But yeah, that one's a lot of fun, and it's short too, so it's not a um overly long show to get invested in. So that's kind of nice when it's just a few episodes for a season. I want to say it's like between six to eight or something like that episodes, which is nice. Yeah, I've I've said multiple times on my show that I I really wish that we'd adopt the the British version of of television. Where they just make enough oh, yeah. to to tell the story and then we're done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I um I just really like when a show can have like a thirteen a ten to thirteen episode season at the most. Mm-hmm. Like thirteen probably like the max you would wanna, you know, really put in there, but I don't mind like eight episodes or six episodes or whatnot, as long as it's like just telling the story. Because most movies are like two hours and it has to condense a lot of the story, but I feel like six to eight hours of, you know, telling a story for a season would work, you know, much, much better. Absolutely, absolutely, and you you don't have all the filler episodes, but you it leaves you wanting more, which is what yeah, all, exactly. all shows should strive for. Yeah, we've been rewatching uh we've been rewatching Smallville on Hulu, and man, so much of that show like we're still in season one, but so much of that twenty two episodes it's like I realized I think about maybe five or six seasons of the Smallville. I'm like, you know, these seasons are twenty two episodes, but you could cut half of them out. You know, you can, like, have just 12 episodes, and there's there's your core kind of, you know, Superman story, uh, you know, just in those 12 episodes, it's pushing the plot forward, and the other 12 is just, you know, it's really just pointless filler, you can skip so much, so I've been, like, debating, just looking on the internet and seeing which episodes of Smallville I can skip during my rewatch and just watch the, the lore main episodes, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I've been thinking about doing that with Supernatural, because I watched it, I think, through season oh, four. Yeah. But trying to go back uh-huh. and catch up on something like Supernatural is just a daunting task. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't even remember where I left off on Supernatural. They have, I think, all of it on Netflix, I believe, like mm-hmm. 10 seasons or something. That show's going to go on for like 80 years, I feel like. Man, I thought it would end a long time ago, but it's still going. So I ended up losing, uh, stopped watching it for a while, and I wanted to come back to it. But yeah, it's like, it's so daunting. A lot of these huge, long legacy shows, you have, you know, like 100-something episodes to go through, and not all of them are really vital to the experience, but you hate to miss them. Like we're watching Buffy. I've never seen Buffy. My wife has watched it all, okay. but uh, Buffy and Angel, I've been watching that for the first time with her over the past few years. But yeah, there's so much um to to that you could probably miss. And then uh, I've been using her as kind of the guide of that kind of stuff. Like she'll pick and choose which episodes, since she knows it way better than I do. But it's kind of a, a fun way to rewatch a show. But since it's my first time watching it, I kind of do want to see all of it, you know? Like, I don't want to miss any of it, but it's so much time, you know? It's, like, so many episodes to get through. Yeah, yeah, and and we were, again, I've mentioned this on the show before, but we've uh, started watching when our friends are in town um, from season one because my husband's never seen it, and we, we keep telling oh, yeah. him, you have to get through season one. And, and it is one of those where it's hard to skip a lot of those because a lot of those characters come back in later seasons. And yeah, so, exactly, exactly. But season, like, who's that dude? Yeah, exactly. And season one's not good. I mean, it's okay, but it's <laughs> like yeah. season two, three, four, so much better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's really funny. Yeah, it's 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 hard to want to skip stuff, but you, as someone who's revisiting the show, you definitely want to like. You're kind of tempted to just oh, let's bypass this episode, but you don't want to rob the new person of the experience. Absolutely. <laughs> now, um. I, we're going to be talking about the Gamma Gals in a second, but are you working on any other things right now? Um, I am working on – it's mainly just pre-production on two other um, projects that I'm probably going to start up later this year once Gamma Gals wraps up. Um, I have two other concepts that I'm kind of world-building still. Um, just creating the characters and the you know the world and kind of the overall premise and stuff. And um, I'm not sure like how much uh, – I can talk about those yet, but um, they're in two different genres, very different from the Gamma Gals. They're not superhero-based, so that's going to be a lot of fun to uh, to work on. It's some sci-fi and some um, other stuff, Western and things like that. I'm messing around with other genres that I really love. I love like sci-fi um, horror. I love sci-fi horror, and I love Western, so I'm trying to, to mix uh, a few of those concepts into my next projects. That's awesome. I always like when, you know, I love superhero comics, but I, I, I do like when people do alternate types of, of stories because there's so many different stories out there. You know, why why just to oh, the superheroes? Exactly. Like, I actually wasn't going to do a superhero comic book as a, as my first kind of real um, finished complete comic, but um, I do love the genre, and I'm like, well, I mean, I can't really – uh, be a real comic book artist and ignore the superhero genre, so I want to at least do something in it. And now I ended up creating the series, and I have tons of ideas now for stories. And I'm like, oh man, I could work on this comic book for years, but I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to take like a little break in between volumes of the Gamma Gals to work on other projects, and then come back and do more volumes of the Gamma Gals and so on and so forth. But it's funny how that happens. How it's like, oh, I'm just gonna do four issues, and next thing you know, I have like twenty something issues of story that I could uh, tell with these characters. So that's kind of all. It's nice. That's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and yeah. it goes back to what we were talking about with the TV series, right? It's like, tell the story yeah. and then step away for a little bit, get people wanting more yeah. and jump back in. Back. Yeah. I definitely have a few more volumes planned of, uh, of the Gamma Gals adventures, but, um, I do want to work on a few other projects 
probably smaller things. It probably won't be as long as the Gamma Gals, at least their particular volumes. Um, maybe not nearly as long, but mm-hmm. I'll see. Who knows? I haven't even written the scripts yet, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. They always kind of grow organically when you're when you're creating that stuff. Awesome. Very cool. Um, we're going to move on to how we kept it geek this week, the different things that we uh, have done to keep ourselves kind of in the geeky stream of things. Um, I, I've mentioned in the past that when I'm very stressed or very busy, I tend to fall back on uh, The Sims 4. I can usually tell. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can tell how stressed I am by what I'm playing, and if I'm playing The <laughs> oh, Sims 4, it means I'm I'm tired and stressed out because it takes no no thinking. Um, but they yeah. just yeah Tuesday they just released uh, their their newest expansion and it brought vampires into into the game. Yeah, I saw that. That looked really fun. I watched the uh, trailer for it. I haven't played The Sims in so long, and I was debating getting Sims 4. But yeah, the vampire stuff looked really really fun. Yeah, it is, and it's it's different, and I kind of hope like it's one of those things where they, as you become more and more experienced as a vampire, you get vampire powers, and you get to put your points oh, wherever nice. and and customize what type of vampire you are. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I wish that they would switch like their careers and a lot of their other game mechanisms to this kind of yeah. idea. It just feels a little bit more organic and a little bit more like you have more choice in what you're doing so i I hope it kind of motivates the way they go forward yeah maybe they will like maybe this uh because a lot of the times that'll happen where a developer will um um iterate on some other ideas and add it into the the core series from the spinoffs and whatnot i've worked in the gaming industry for like 11 something years and yeah like seeing how games take shape i think naughty dog who does the uncharted games and last of us they'll um take elements from, you know, like The Last of Us, and they took the stuff that they learned from that and applied it to um, Uncharted 4, which was their latest release. So maybe, hopefully, some of the mechanics that work really well in The Sims Vampires, they'll migrate that over to Sims proper, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. Um, I also, last week, uh, recorded an episode of my other podcast, which is State of the Geek. It's uh, a little bit more politically driven than this one. Um, and I oh, talked nice. to my co-host Kelly Hightower, and we talked uh, to Raven from Girls Gone Wow in London to kind of get a an international view on on all the the fun things that are going on in our country right yeah. now. Fun is such a nice way to describe it. <laughs> you know, we, we, we gotta gotta use the words carefully because <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> a lot of people out there. We're uh, not not being the best people, but uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to yeah. hear my views without the sugar coating, stay yeah, definitely. I will, I, I will totally check that out. I I really will. I've been uh yeah on that on that uh I've been trying to like take a break from all of that stuff, but I just keep getting sucked back in. It's like watching a horrible car accident or something. I just can't like look away. I'm like, that's it. No more Facebook. No more Twitter. No more social media. I'm blacking out of this stuff. And then like two minutes later, I'm like, oh God, what has he done now? What has <laughs> done now? <laughs> like, uh, I, just, uh, I can't help myself. The deep, res- the number of deep resigned sighs that I let out on a daily basis <laughs> is just ridiculous. I know, right? Seriously. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something. Uh, the the thing that's been taking up the most of my time though is uh, I mentioned last week we we got a brand new puppy. Um, he we've had Aww. him for uh, we, yeah we've had him for it'll be two weeks on Monday, and uh, he's wonderful oh, wow. and he's adorable, 
But God, he's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, that what kind of breed is it? Uh, he's a Havanese, which is um, a oh. lot of people don't know what they are. They're kind of they look a little like an Alapso Apso or a Maltese if you uh, let their hair oh, okay. grow out. But it's a little bit bigger. He's going to end up being about 15 pounds. Oh wow! Once, yeah, once he's done, so not not a not a big dog. But right now he's a good little six or seven pound bundle mm-hmm. of teeth and energy. <laughs> that is adorable. That's awesome. We were debating getting a dog. I'd get a corgi. I usually like the bigger dogs. I grew up having like German Shepherds and Doberman Pinschers and stuff. But mm-hmm. I really would love to have a corgi. And uh, in our apartment, it'd probably be a good size to you know they don't get terribly huge. But yeah, I just love corgis to death. So one, we'll we'll think about it one day. We might get one. But that sounds adorable. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's just a bundle of love. Although my husband has just <laughs> walked in and is letting out a sigh. Give me one second. What happened? <laughs> Nothing, just a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, he's exa- he has exhausted my husband. <laughs> so how about you? You've mentioned a couple of things you've worked on this week, but uh, any other stuff you and your wife have been doing this week to to keep it geeky? Mainly um, watching lots of YouTube stuff, uh, video game related things. I never used to watch uh, like Let's Plays where people would sit down like, I don't want to watch people play video games. That's ridiculous. I want to play video games myself. But because of my time and schedule, I don't really have as much time to play video games as I would like. So now I'm just like, well, I'm going to live vicariously through these guys on YouTube. So we watch all sorts of uh, Minecraft stuff. We watched we watched a few um, really, really awesome time-lapse videos that showed like – um some of the uh things that people build in Minecraft and it's just ridiculous. This one video we watched, it was like five minutes or something. There was a time lapse of these uh creators that built a Grand Central station and it was like absolutely ridiculous, just all the detail that they put into into Minecraft. I wasn't really that big into Minecraft um for a while, but um she's gotten me into it and I've just been like obsessed with that kind of stuff and watching uh cartoons and Watching video game playthroughs, that's kind of the main thing we've been doing. And then streaming, when I do get uh, time, I try to stream like maybe an hour of me playing a video game like Gravity Rush or um, Batman or something like that. And that's basically it. Like That's pretty much what all my time is. It's either working on Gamma Gals or um, watching other people play video games or playing video games myself. That's kind of what a few weeks have been, really. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge, um, live play watcher, and I think it's for the same thing. I, I don't have as much time to yeah. play, but I have, you know, even less time to just sit and watch. And so, um, <laughs> so, but I, what I have been doing a little bit lately is, um, I, I play Heroes of the Storm, which is, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I know that one. It's the, uh, Blizzard, uh, is it Blizzard? Yeah, it's a Blizzard MOBA. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I and, saw that one. They have a very big esports thing going on right now, so uh, oh, I've been watching yeah. some of the the esports streams, and I, I whenever I watch that, I tell people I I finally understand like sports, like and how people can spend a Saturday watching like football yeah, or baseball know, right? because when you actually understand what's going on, it is a lot of fun, and you can sit there and go, oh, that they should so have done that. Um, I feel that way as well about the um, like the Dark Souls and Bloodborne games. They're very difficult games, like um, on the surface, like you, people you watch people play and you know they're dying over and over and over again. But it's one of those things where once you know how the game mechanics work and 
you know, it's like, oh, parrying and reposting and using your shield and dodging and blocking. And when you're watching them play, you're like, yeah, you're like, you're getting into it. So me not being a sports fan. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally understand <laughs> it now how you can watch. And the whole weekend, you're like, what? Three, four hours have passed? How did that happen? Exactly. But, uh, I put it on his background noise. I also put it on his background noise, which helps, like, when I'm, I'll be drawing or something, or I'll be writing, doing editing, and I'll have it on just in the background. So I may not be, like, really 100% focused on it, but it's something that I can at least have on and listen to and hear while I'm doing other things. And I try to multitask. That's really been my, my uh, skill set I've been developing the past few weeks. I've been just multitasking, you know, having something on in the background, having my uh, drawing programs up on my computer, and having my phone game. I'm playing this game called Summoner's War on um on my cell phone on uh, my iphone and that game is ridiculously addicting mm-hmm. and time consuming so i'll have that on but it's a game that you can um auto battle in it so once you get your team set up and you enter your dungeon you can just auto battle and um i have that usually just kind of going i can just press you know replay and replay and replay and get level up my monsters and get uh runes and other things that you can equip on them to make them stronger and stuff so that's basically all i've been doing is rune farming drawing and watching let's plays all at the same time just kind of you know mixed together uh, i'll be an expert multitasker tasker by the year's end i think that's awesome that's awesome yeah i was at at school yesterday and um i had a free block and i needed to set up my classroom in a certain way and i was like you know what i've got 15 minutes that i'm going to be doing nothing but moving desks around i'm throwing up uh city <laughs> sports and watching while i do okay, so... yeah exactly that's uh so funny, like so many of us nowadays, that it's all about the multitasking. You have to, you have to. There's just yeah, not really enough hours in the day. It really isn't. Very cool. Um, before we get into our feature, uh, a friend of the show's, uh, Leisha, you guys may remember her from back on, I believe it was episode 20, so way back in the in the archives. Um, she she asked me to throw up this special event, and it's actually going to probably. Uh, stream the day before this comes out, but because it's streaming on Twitch, uh, you should be able to go back to their f- archives and watch it. And so I'm going to okay. read the little the little commercial that she sent me. Oh, so nice. I apologize in advance if I butcher any of the any of this. I, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not great at the the red advertisements, but we'll do what we can. Uh, <laughs> it says, "Hey there, we're gearing up for the first broadcast of the WMGSO Twitch stream." This Sunday, January 29th, from 1 to 3 p.m. We'll be chatting about arranging, performing, and game music we love. First on the docket, a discussion of Wild Arms and our arrangements of Into the Wilderness and Porte. Check us out at twitch.tv forward slash WMGSO. See you then. My understanding, and let me go back to the, the message she sent to me on Twitter, is this is her um, her music group, and so they're they're doing video. They've started doing video game music, and I think that's a that's a pretty awesome. It's a pretty that awesome thing to be able to do. Oh yeah, like I've listened to some really really awesome arrangements from uh, musicians that will take uh, some tracks from some of their favorite video games and do their kind of covers of them. And oh, it's so cool. That's very very cool. And Wild Arms is a really cool game series too. Um, it does have some good, uh, good music. It's been around for a very long time. Um, from way back on the PlayStation days, I think, the first Wild Arms came out. Well, I'm, they- I'm <laughs> loving the fact that, that music, that the art and music of video games is finally kind of being recognized as I know, right? the art form that it is. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it really, really like like audio and and sound design and um, music and video game scores are just really underappreciated. Uh, I think in the industry and uh, the work that gets put into that. So it's really cool to to see it getting respect. Yeah, it's her her video game orchestra. So that's awesome, awesome, Leisha. And I hope people yeah, start cool. checking it out. Yeah, I definitely will. Very cool. All right, so let's let's talk about what we're here to talk about, which is the Gamma Gals. Tell us a little bit about it and 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 what this this story is all about. Okay, um, the Gamma Gals is uh, a comic book series. It's a four issue miniseries about um, three teenage girls who gain superpowers after a gamma irradiated uh, electrical storm uh, hits their hometown. And it's basically just kind of a, a, a lighthearted story about these girls who um, have this immense power and a new um, hero kind of shows up on the scene and they have to kind of reconcile um, their place in the city and this new hero's place in the city and that's kind of where the conflict arises and whatnot. But it's been uh, a lot of fun to work on and those four issues has been like really great like completing those and I'm doing two bonus issues for like graphic novel and stuff that I'm working on and yeah it's just it's it's been really nice to kind of try my hand at superhero storytelling. Uh what was the biggest uh challenge for you when you decided to take on superheroes? Um the biggest challenge for me was actually completing the first issue, just <laughs> getting those 22 pages done. It was like could I do it for years? decades i've been drawing comic books and i can't say that i had completed really a single one it was just a bunch of ideas here and there like oh here's a few pages here a few pages there that sort of thing and um so to actually finally finish that first issue was like a huge confidence booster i'm like wow i did it it's like it's done but now i got three other issues i have to do but at least um having that first one done and being able to hold it in my hands i had printed out it or i had uh, sent it to a um comic book uh one of those manufacturing uh sites or something that prints out the comic for you so they printed a physical version of of gamma gauzushi number one for me so having that in my hands and being able to flip through the pages and say holy crap i created this thing it was such a huge confidence boost that it made doing the other three issues like feel like a breeze it took me a year it takes about three months to do a single issue mainly since i do the pencil yeah i do the penciling the inking the coloring and the lettering myself, so it just takes you know a bit of time, and I was squeezing that in with my nine to five job as well. So I just try to do it all. So it took about a year to do the four issues, but just having that done has just been a really really awesome experience. Just learning so much about comic book storytelling and trying to hone my my artistic abilities and things like that. Just trying to get better, and I'm always trying to improve. Um, with each issue, I try to like draw just that much better than I did the previous issue, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And it's been it's been fun. It's been a very very satisfying experience. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the characters? Because I I think it's awesome that you've you've chosen to spotlight um, uh, female leads, which is I think something that needs more of. Uh, nowadays, can you tell me a little bit about the characters? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it was kind of a um, genesis of from these uh, conversations that me and my wife would have about superheroes, and um, especially about how women and minorities tend to be portrayed in uh, comic books and their roles in comic books. Um, so um, I decided that I wanted to, you know, create some female heroes that I would hope, um, you know, young girls and um, other women readers would be able to to um, 
be uh, I don't know uh, relate to them. I guess that's that's the best way I could put it. Um, hope that they'd be able to relate to them and you know enjoy uh, um, their. Uh, I don't know. I totally lost my train of thought. I was like looking through my folders trying to find my Gamagal's notes, but um, yeah, like Kira, she's uh, the super strength person. She has super speed and agility and strength, and she's um, she's black. And her parents are uh, engineers. They work at this uh, company. Um, they work at Dynacorp, which is kind of the main company that's going to be the, the central kind of antagonist of the series, at least for a little bit. And she has super strength. She's um, – what else? What did, I, what did I write about her? She uh, she seems kind of tough, but she's a big softie. She loves her friends. Um, she's really uh, loyal and uh, kind of a hot-headed you know, temperament. And uh, Harry, she's um, Harriet. She's the leader of the group, sort of, sort of the leader. And she is in a wheelchair from a car accident that happened when she was a little girl. And she has shape shifting abilities, which kind of allows her to um, the shape shifting abilities allows her to kind of move around and do her super heroics. But it does take a toll on her physically, so she can't like do it all the time. She can't constantly use her her superpowers to move around. Um, so she's mainly in her wheelchair most of the time. And um, she's kind of their unofficial tactician and leader. And Sue is um, the uh, elementalist of the of the Gamma Gals. She's really soft-spoken, um, really good-natured and kind-hearted. And she has the control over the elements. She's basically, you know, like Storm. She can do the um, the wind and fire and ice and all that kind of stuff, lightning and whatnot. And um, the three of them absolutely love playing role-playing games. You know, they're big into... Like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's not called Dungeons and Dragons, and and the Gamma Gals, it's Princes in Purgatory, and they basically <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah, it's Princes in Purgatory, and they play that in the uh, in the park all the time, and they're big LARPers and and play their role playing games, and what I hoped with the with the girls is that they would um kind of be a lot like the the girls that I knew growing up in high school, you know, a lot of my you know friends were big geeks and nerds, and they were into the video games and comic books and toys just like any of the boys were. So um, the the Gamma Girls are kind of inspired by, you know, those friends and family and um, people like my wife who were huge, you know, big into these sorts of things. But they never really felt like they um, were included in the fun of being a geek, basically, like being a woman and being a geek um, was always such a, a problem for them. So I'd hope that the Gamma Girls uh, would kind of highlight some of that in a way that, um, you know, everybody's every, a geek is a geek, you know, it doesn't matter. uh you know, if you're male or female or black or white or anything, um, it's just a kind of a unified love of, you know, geek culture and stuff. And uh, that's roughly the, the kind of overall kind of gist of, of the Gamma Gals, to me at least. Well, and I, I think that's what I, I loved about the, the concept when when I got the information about the book is it, it looks like it's it's got so many great perspectives and it just shows how diverse geek culture can be and it, there's there's i don't know there's something heartwarming about feeling like knowing that this comic is going to be accessible to a lot of people that don't necessarily see themselves in a lot of um in a lot of comic books and i think that's yeah, that's right. great exactly as a um you know as a young black guy growing up there weren't a lot of um um superheroes um uh, that were mainstream that were black you know i didn't know at the time growing up in the 80s i didn't know about characters like black panther or you know falcon or anything like that we hardly ever saw those kinds of characters so growing up for me um 
all of the heroes, they were always, you know, whites. And that kind of feeds into your, um, your subconscious. Cause when you see just like this one type of hero, you, you begin to think that that's the only type of hero there was, you know? So when I would, when I got older and I learned about all these other characters, you know, Spawn and, um, and, uh, Falcon, Black Panther and Storm and all these other characters, I'm like, wow, this is great. There are heroes that look, you know, like me. And then talking with my wife, I was like, well, there's not, there are other people that also kind of are missing, you know, heroes like Harriet. She's the, um, she's in her wheelchair, but she's also, um, uh, LGBT. Um, she's lesbian. And I didn't really see that many, um, um, LGBT characters that weren't, um, designed to like either be a stereotype or they, um, or they're just there to like, I guess, titillate the audience or just to be there just to say, Hey, this is a character that's, you know, they try to draw attention to the kind of thing to try to make it seem like it's a, um, I don't know, like, I guess like being, being gay or being uh, straight or whatever, that's just a part of who you are. And I don't think, um, it should make, make a big deal out of it in terms of, um, the characters and how they interact with each other. Like Sue and, uh, Kira, they know that Harriet's gay, but I mean, it's Harriet. They don't really, it's not like she's, you know, every two seconds, she's, you know, like, well, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, doing, um, this because I'm gay or I'm a stereotype or I'm this or that. So I wanted to try to be a bit more organic and natural with, uh, with uh, the portrayal of like sexuality and gender and race and all that kind of stuff. It's not a heavy handed comic. Like it's very, very lighthearted. It's, it's meant to be just a fun, easy read for people to just kind of enjoy. But I wanted it to be, um, with characters that you'd see walking down the street, you know, in LA, there's so many different types of people and I wanted to hopefully portray some of that, um, as best as I can, at least, um, in the Gamma Gals. Yeah, no, and and the I think that concept of visibility and and seeing people that are like you in in your your forms of media is so important. And I I don't think oh, I yeah. realized how important because you know I I grew up I grew up a white guy, so I did have a lot of superheroes to um to relate to. But I think it, mm-hmm. uh, and I mentioned this on my my State of the Geek episode. What over over the holidays? Uh, I don't know if you know of or play Overwatch at all. Um, no, I haven't played any of it. I played a little bit of it a long time ago, but I haven't played it. I haven't bought it yet. Well, it, it came out what, maybe a a year ago or so, and yeah, it was um, a year. Yeah, and so and the the big cover art for the the character on most of the the promotional materials and everything is is a a woman character called Tracer and. Over the holidays, yeah, they released a, a comic uh, uh, telling her story, and it turns out mm. that she's a lesbian. And ah. and I I teared up a little bit when I saw the the article, and my, my husband's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, well, "I think this is <laughs> the first mainstream video game character to come out as LGBT." And I think like yeah. people just don't realize. I don't I don't even think I realized how impactful and important that was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's very important to have representation. It seems uh, it's taken for granted um, a lot of the times, but yeah, it's, it's very important to um, just kind of see yourself in some way. Like uh, I, I think I've told this story a dozen times before, but when I was in uh, grade school, um, I couldn't play superheroes with uh, my white classmates. You know, as a superhero, you know, my favorite superhero was the Flash, and I love Batman, and Superman, and Green Lantern, and Spider Man, and stuff, but. Um, when I want, want to play with them on the playground, they'd be like, oh, you can't play as, you know, you can't be Superman, you can't be Batman. And I'm like, well, why not? And they're like, because you're black, you know, and that just really, you know, it, it 
stuck with me, you know, growing up and to, to feel that, how, that effect that it has on you, um, thinking that you can't be a hero because of your skin color. It does have an effect. It may not seem like it, but it does get kind of like under your skin, so to speak. And it wasn't until I was you know, much older, in my 20s probably, that I realized that 99% of the comic book characters that I created um, over the years, you know, since I've been drawn, you know, since a little boy, they were all basically almost exclusively white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few white women here and there, but I didn't realize. And even I had like the, maybe the one black character or the one, you know, um, Asian character or something in the party, but it was always a kind of white superhero world. And obviously there's nothing wrong with white superheroes, but it was just one of those things I never really realized I was doing subconsciously until I was going through my old portfolio of comic book ideas. Cause I'm always looking at my old work thinking, Hey, how can I, you know, maybe use this concept or use this idea. Maybe it didn't work when I was 15 and I came up with it, but maybe now I can put some, put some use to it. And then I look through them and I'm like, wow, I'm like, okay, I'm like, this character's white, this character's a guy, this character's white, this character's a woman, this character's white. And I'm like, wow, there are like no minorities at all, you know, in this, in this, you know, scenario in any kind of way, shape or form. They're all heterosexual and they're all, you know, uh, white males and women. And um, it was just very, very kind of a fascinating realization that uh, came upon me. So after that, I started really thinking hard about who I'm putting in my comic books, you know. So I have my white characters and my um, black characters and Indian characters and so on and so forth and straight and gay and transgender characters, all these types of things I think so much more about now that I didn't before. And it, um, I think that has done nothing but help um, improve my, my storytelling and my world building and stuff when thinking kind of. Uh, more inclusively, you know, just include, you know, as many people as possible because that's what our world is made up out of. Yeah, that's that's you know, so cool. That's very powerful. And um and yeah, I guess we really don't think about, it. you know, we we always talk about part of the problem with lack of diversity in in these types of media as being well, there's yeah. not a lot of creators that are of, you know, minority creators. Yeah. But but even then, you're you're absolutely right. You you kind of write what you see, and that that's that's really kind of that's a something I don't think we we think about very often. Yeah, definitely. And growing up in Wisconsin, it was primarily um, black, white, and Puerto Rican. So it wasn't actually until I moved out to Los Angeles that I even myself I was able to experience um, a lot of different diversity and cultures, and I was able to shed a lot of my own preconceived prejudices and, you know, biases and stuff just from getting out and experiencing, you know, the world and stuff. So that's been really great. Like living in LA has been like a pain in the butt, but also really, really, uh, <laughs> awesome, uh, brought in perspective, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's the pain. It's just, it's a difficult city to live in, but I do love it. You know, I love the, you know, I love the city. I love the, the weather. I love the, the people and the food and the ocean and all this kind of stuff, you know, but yeah, it was definitely an eye opening experience kind of getting out and, and uh, experiencing all these different uh, people and whatnot, because yeah, but Wisconsin was very, very um, segregated and a very um, uh, not terribly diverse population, as well as it being segregated. So it was really, really cool to to meet tons of people. That's awesome. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about your process, because you you have mentioned going back and looking at your old stuff, and but but how mm-hmm. do you how do you sit down and and create? Because I know you've got a couple of things kind of stewing in the works what what what, oh, yeah. what process do you use for, for okay. people who are looking to do this usually what i'll do um i generally uh like i have a concept i'm all, i'm such a like plot driven guy so usually it'll it won't have it won't be about the characters uh right away it'll just be about what kind of premise do i want to tell like my sci-fi comic that i'm thinking of working on it's more like um 
well, what what kind of sci-fi story do I want to tell? And then um, I come up with a little log line for the plot, you know, space station, blah, blah, blah. And then from there, I start adding um, uh, layers onto that, like, okay, it's this plot. Now, who are the people that are going to be embroiled in this plot? And I start kind of thinking about, okay, doctor, cop, um, homeless guy, whatever it is I'm throwing out there. I start kind of mixing it all together. And um, I put it on a um, like a Word document, an open office or Word or, you know, whatever uh, documents I have um, that I use Scrivener. I've been using Scrivener lately. That's what I've been trying to get more comfortable using for my writing. And um, I just put all my little plot notes there just in the big. It doesn't really necessarily have to be organized. It's just laying the notes out, just like characters, plot, plot lines, whatever pops into my head that I think will be cool for the series or things I would want to touch on. Like, oh, this I want to put this action scene in there or I want to put this character moment in there. I don't know who, who the character moment is going to be between, but I know I want this character moment. So I just throw it all in this document and kind of mix it together. And then um, from there, I start refining it more. I do like a series Bible, usually not too big. By the time I'm done with it, it's probably only like, it could be anywhere between like five to ten pages, depending on how deep or complex the world is. And then once the um, series Bible is done, I start fleshing out the characters more. I don't go too crazy when it comes to creating the characters. Um, initially, just kind of a rough, maybe a paragraph explaining kind of who they are and maybe any physical characteristics they have and their ages and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll write the script. And... Um, the script writing is the hardest part for me. Um, I'm still learning kind of script writing formats and stuff, but I usually just write it in a, a way that I understand what's going on since I'm the, I'm the artist too, so it makes it a little easier. If someone else was drawing, if someone else was drawing it for me, I would probably, um, be a lot more detailed in my scripts, uh, for the actual pages and whatnot. And, um, I just do my panel one, panel two kind of descriptions and then, I go into a comic, um, what is it called? A manga studio. Manga Studio 5, um, I think it's Clip Studio Paint now is what they changed the name to, but I use that to do my penciling and my inking and my lettering. Um, but I usually just do the penciling, inking, then I do coloring and Photoshop, and then I go and bring everything back into Manga Studio for, uh, lettering, and I do that last. But yeah, it's, 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 um, I've, I've learned a bit more about how to manage the workflow, but initially it was a little, uh, a little hectic, but for the most part, I just do my layouts and then my inking and then the coloring and whatnot. But, um, that's kind of it. It's, it's a little all over the place, but it works for me for now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, it, 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 I mean, when, when you're doing it all by yourself, <laughs> it does, <laughs> there are a lot of moving parts, especially for comic books. Like, yeah. There's so many things that have to be done, and hats off to you for for taking on every single one of them because usually people are like, I don't want to do this. I'm giving it to somebody else. I was just like, I figured it was like if, you know, I don't have anyone else to do it. You know, I didn't have any colorists or letterers, you know, to do it, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm no longer going to use that as an excuse not to, to do my book. Because that was kind of a, I think the roadblock I had was me, you know, just like I was always, I'd sit down, I want to do an idea, and I'm like, eh, what, I don't want to do this, or, you know, I'm lollygagging, and I'm dragging my feet, I'm not really um, doing the comic, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to finish this comic, and if I have to do it myself, I have to do it myself, I, I want, I just want it to be done, I want it to have something with my name on it that I can, like, hold in my hands and say, hey, I worked on this, and it's finished. And if that means I have to do the inking and the coloring and the lettering, then, you know, so be it. I'll do that. And so um, it was very, very uh, 
encouraging seeing what you can do if you actually do it. But yeah, it was very, very hard. It was, it was hard to kind of get over that hurdle of my own kind of motivation or making excuses for why I can't do it or why I couldn't do it. It's like, well, I don't have a letterer. I don't have a colorist. I'm like, well, you can do that yourself then. It's like, you'll learn a new skill. You'll learn a new, a new craft that you can work on. And so I'm trying to improve my lettering and my coloring and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been a very, very, um, learning experience working on this book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so where, where do we find this? When is it coming out? What, give us the, the how do we support you? Um, uh, the Gamma Gals, uh, Fanbase Press, uh, Barbara and Brian Dillon, who are absolutely wonderful, wonderful, awesome, awesome friends. And, um, they're going to be publishing the book under their Fanbase Press, uh, label. Um, I believe issue number one, um, is being released March. I'm not sure of the specific date. I can't remember. I have to double check, but I believe it'll be March this year, issue number one, and then issues two, three, and four will be out, you know, the months after that, April, May, June. And then we're going to collect it into a um, uh, graphic novel, collecting issues one through four and uh, bonus issues five and six that are kind of a um, Halloween and Christmas sort of issue. Um, and that will be released later in the summer. Um, but you can find it on their um, Fanbase Press website, I believe, fanbasepress.com. You should be able to find all the, the various books and stuff that they sell because they, they publish some really, really cool books. And on Twitter, um, I believe it's just that fanbase press as well. Um, it might be fanbase underscore press, uh, on Twitter. And then I'm on Twitter as well at, at Stefano Terry and that sort of thing. So you can always follow me there. Very glad. And, uh, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes just to make sure that people can find it. And it is fanbase underscore press. It is. Okay. Okay. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, we'll, I'm very excited to see this this book. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's something that I can throw in my classroom, and I, a lot of my students will just absolutely love because I, I love the fact that it is so diverse and and it, it sounds like just a very positive kind of message all around yeah. in this book. It's, it's just a comic book that I wanted. It's a book that I would have uh, enjoyed seeing or reading or watching on TV, that sort of thing. That was always the kind of inspiration. It was something that young Stefano would be like, you know, crazy about. Cause I grew up watching all that stuff, you know, Jim and She-Ra and like for me, um, it didn't matter if the character was male or female. It was just, you know, cool characters doing cool stuff. So I loved She-Ra. I loved, you know, uh, Jim, uh, Jim and the Holograms. I loved that show growing up. And it was, you know, she was awesome and ran this orphanage and the music thing. And it was just really cool. Like the eighties had some very interesting concepts for shows that, Nowadays, people seem to act like it would be weird to have it, have like a female-led mm-hmm. a show or a female-led comic book. It's just very weird because when you think about it, shows like She-Ra and Rainbow Bright and uh, My Little Pony just were like chock full of these, you know, awesome, strong, you know, female characters that as a young boy, just it never, it never registered in my head that that was some kind of like anomaly, you know, that like strong, strong women. What, what is this? You know, that, that just never, you know, dawned on me when I was eight, nine years old watching these cartoons. I'm like, she was awesome. Her, you know, sword can turn into a shield and a helmet that lets her breathe in outer space. I'm like, He-Man's sword didn't turn into a shield. It couldn't transform into anything cool, but yeah, I loved all the, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully the Gamma Gals is something that a lot of people, boys and girls, older and younger, they can hopefully enjoy it and, you know, get some fun out of it and see a little bit of themselves and the characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, as we wrap up, um, do you have any shout-outs? Anybody you'd like to say hi to? Um, I would like to say hello to 
Um, Barbara and Brian Dillon, of course. Um, they're really, really awesome, very helpful, and just so much. Uh, they've given me so much information and in how to produce this book and whatnot. And my friend Vito Lapicola, who brought Barbara and Bryant into my lives, uh, I owe him uh, a great uh, uh, bit of thanks and gratitude for that. And of course, my wonderful wife, who is like absurdly supportive, like she is just really, really awesome and amazing. And she's been nothing but um, supportive and critical of, you know, all the things that I've done. And it's just been really great. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful for her. And I think that's about all I could think of at the top of my head. I think that's that's uh, that's good enough. That's a lot of good people supporting you. That's awesome. Um, oh yeah, I, it's nice. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, T. Morris and his family. Uh, T. and his wife Pip have been on our show a couple of times, and uh, T.'s dad had uh, a major surgery this week, and it sounds like everything has has worked out. But I just wanted to shout out to him and let him know that uh, we're thinking about him, and and we hope everybody has a speedy recovery. Right on. And also, just a reminder, we, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but go check out uh, Leisha's um, uh, Twitch stream about uh, the, the music and, and arranging game music, because that sounds fun. It sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, that's at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music at BenSound at BenSound.com. You can currently find us at Geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at JoeHogan at Geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, Stefano, do you want to toss in your... Uh, contact information one more time for us um yeah you can uh, find me at uh twitter on at stefanoterry.com and um where else am i located i also have a deviant art page that i also check a lot and um that's um f f n b dot deviant art and i post a lot of my uh, non-gamma gals related drawings and stuff i post gamma gals stuff too but that sort of thing you can always reach me there and Facebook, it's Stefano Terry at Facebook or something like that. I don't remember the Facebook address, but but Stefano Terry, you can always find me, S-T-E-F-A-N-O-T-E-R-R-Y. And again, we'll throw all that stuff in the show notes. So if if you're curious, you can always go to geektude.com and it'll be up there. All right. Well, thank you, Stefano. This has been really awesome. I'm glad we got to talk. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We we can't wait to to read your book. I think it, it sounds amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> and for all of you out there listening, remember this week, keep it geek.